Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Jeremy Scott Fitness Podcast Radio Show. Coming to you on this Sunday here, post our advanced Metcon workout. And admittedly, I had not planned a podcast for today, but as you know, fate or the universe would have it, the stars kind of all aligned today, and this just this struck me, and, and it stuck with my brain, so I have to get it out while it's still fresh, because if you believe in you know, God or source energy or the universe or signs. I believe this was one. And uh, I'm going to throw it out here and uh, give it to you. But before I do that, I, I need to preface this really quick. This podcast is coming from a handful of comments I did receive yesterday, which I'll touch on in a second. And I know a lot of you listening have found me in the, through the fitness space, whether that be through obviously Men's Health or through Instagram or Facebook or, or some magazine or publication where you saw me working out uh, half naked and, and appreciate you for tuning into the podcast uh, if that's what got you here. And a lot of things we touch on here are outside of fitness to the average person. When you look at it from afar, well, this guy's talking about finance. This guy's talking about running a business. This guy's talking about X, Y, Z. I believe it's all connected to fitness. And that's how we coach it here. Whether people realize this or not, we coach fitness with the physical, the mental, the spiritual, and the emotional side of it. And everything I do here, from the t-shirts we make, to the sayings on the wall, the things that we write, the podcasts we put out, it is all married uh, kind of in that curriculum. And that's how I believe fitness is you know, best delivered to people because it can't just be doing squats. It can't just be doing push-ups. It can't just be tracking macros. There's so much more that goes into us as humans and that goes into us as being healthy. And so I guess I should tell the podcast, Jeremy Scott's Health Podcast, because we talk, you know, in terms of physical health and mental health, emotional health, and all these things. And this podcast is birthed from a handful of messages I got yesterday and an article that I read in the Wall Street Journal this morning. And the comment I made yesterday on the podcast, if you guys want to reference it, it's 17 uh, kind of transformation tips, whether you're going to transform your physical body, uh, your eating habits, uh, your relationships, your career, if you're running a business, 17 things to keep you going. In a roundabout way, my brain obviously you know, wanders slightly off track at times, and uh, one of the comments I made we were talking about, you know, investing money into your business and your life and making yourself better. And the stat that came to my brain as I was talking was, and the phrase I said that five or six of you messaged me yesterday alone was, I would walk before I had a car payment. And I, I stand by that until the day that I die. I truly believe that. Um, I would walk before I made a car payment. And the stat I shared was the average car payment in America right now is about 530 bucks a month. The average person in America is paying 530 bucks a month for a vehicle, a depreciating asset with a motor and wheels that goes down every day you drive it. Short of you owning like the Batmobile or some vintage pristine car, which we're not talking about here. I'm talking about your, your normal daily driver or just a fun toy. I would rather walk before taking out an auto loan because I believe it's one of the stupidest things you can do with your money. And if you're listening to me right now and that offends you, I'm sorry, but this is my podcast, this is my show, and I'm sharing it with you like I would share it with my wife. I'm sharing it with you like I would share it with my sister or my mom or my dad or somebody I cared about. I give a shit about your financial health just as I do as much as your physical health. That's why we're sharing this. And I believe a lot of people out there are buying things and spending money and doing things and it's taking away from their mental health and their physical health because they're stressed out about the purchases. They think it's going to buy them some sense of fulfillment or adoration or people will think they're cool and they're fancy and it does not do that. 
it keeps you up on a Wednesday night when your hot water heater goes out and you're stressed because you got to come up with the money, but you got a giant fucking car payment weighing you down. That's where I'm going with this. And what I said yesterday was I would walk before I had a car payment because the average car payment in America is about 530 bucks for a new vehicle. I think used vehicles is closer to like $370 a month. Either way, it's ridiculous. But if you were to understand finances and compound interest and how the market has worked over the history of basically existence, if you took that same 530 bucks and invested it for 40 years, at the end of that 40 years, you'd have about $3 million. I'll repeat that for you guys. If you invested that same 530 bucks into the market, whether it be S&P or mutual funds or whatever kind of investments you have, your normal 401k stuff, you'd end up with about 3 million bucks. If the market was crappier, you'd have about 2 million and some change, give or take. So that's where I'm going to, this is where this all is coming from. And so I stumbled on this article today um, titled The Seven-Year Auto Loan. America's middle class can't afford its cars. And Ben Eisen and Adrian Roberts had written this. And I'm going to go through chunks of it and paraphrase uh, for you guys because I believe it's important. And if nothing else, when you're talking about a transformation, it's not just you know dropping body fat. It's getting control of every area of your life and auditing where you're you know doing well and where you're doing poorly. There's a lot of people who are super fit, but they're in debt up their ass. So they're not really healthy. Is that, are you following me here? I mean, like their mental health. And again, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life and spend your money. All I'm going to do is share my opinion and what I would do if I was you. You're grown adults. You don't have to take my advice. You can do things way differently. But I was once a person who grew up dead broke. And I guess the benefit of that is when, if you don't have any money, uh, there's no money to spend. And how I grew up was my old man would say, you never use a credit card unless you can really pay it off instantly. And what my old man did for me was he goes, I'm going to give you a credit card and you're only going to use it for gas. And the bill has to be paid at the end of the month, every single month. That's how you'll build your credit if you choose to buy a house or do something down the line. Now, at this point, I don't even think credit is important because I have no plans to finance anything else. But if that is a goal, that's kind of your credit score based on the revolving debt. You get debt, you pay it, you get debt, you pay it. And as long as you pay it on time, you're not paying the interest and paying more than what it's worth. I believe paying more than things are worth is a really shitty way to build wealth. Someone can chime in and correct me, but... That's just my take on it. So the way we grew up was we didn't have money, so we didn't make stupid purchases because if you don't have money, you can't buy stuff. And I grew up in a household where it was you do not finance it. If you can't afford something, you cannot buy it. If you need something, you work your ass off, you save for it, and then you purchase it. It's I always thought it was common sense. And yet when you look at what people are doing every single day, buying a bunch of shit or financing a bunch of shit they really can't afford that's causing them pain and stress and agony. It's no different than when you see people who are overeating and they can't burn off the excess calories. Hence, they end up being massively overweight and unhealthy. They parallel themselves. And so as I said that yesterday, a lot of people chime in and say, hey, Jeremy, why would you say that? What would you do in this scenario? And I'm going to share with you guys my take on it in terms of a vehicle, and this is how I take it. And I'm going to go into great detail, and you guys can, you know, take this for what it's worth. I would never finance a car for the simple fact of it is a depreciating asset, and you have to understand that when you buy a vehicle, it is never going up in value, it is only going down 
every single day from the day you purchased it, especially if you buy a new vehicle. Now hear me here, and again, I'm not judging you. If you have the money and the cash and you save for it, respect. My guidelines would be, first of all, I'll never buy a new vehicle. I do not care. If my net worth is $57 million, I still won't buy a new vehicle. That's just who I am. And again, if your net worth is $50 million, buy a new car, you guys. If it makes you happy, please do it. You have the money, you can afford it. My criteria for buying a new vehicle would be, A, you are a millionaire already. You have a net worth of well over a million bucks, and you don't have any other debts, really. Your, your, your house is paid off. You have over a million dollar net worth and you don't have any other loans out there and if you choose to go buy a new vehicle because you want to buy something fancy and you know it's an expensive toy that's going to drop 10, 15 grand within the first probably month or two you have it, then go nuts. But if you don't fall into that category, meaning you don't have any outstanding debts and you're not a millionaire, I don't think you should buy a new vehicle for the simple fact of you go to the dealership, you buy this new car and you're financing it. So A, you're already going to be paying interest on it. So you're paying more than the car is worth. And on a side note, even for you guys out there with the, like the 0% interest stuff, it's not really 0%. They're basically building in the price of the vehicle before you buy it. That's why they're giving you a quote unquote 0% interest loan. They're just jacking up the purchase price. They're going to make their money either way. That's on a side note. But when you go buy a new vehicle and you drive it off the lot, if you got in a car accident three minutes later, your insurance company won't even give you the value that you bought the car for three minutes before because you drove it off the lot and it already lost value because it's quote unquote not new anymore. You drove it a couple miles. That's how quickly those things go down in value. If you had the money to do something like that, I would invest it into assets that appreciate in value that are typically going to pay you on the back end. If you want to buy a car, what I would tell you is don't be fancy before you can be fancy. Save your money. Drive something older, drive something used, drive something smaller, more economical, work your face off, save the 46,000 bucks if that's the kind of car you wanna buy, and then go drop 46K at once. Physically hand them $46,000. It's a painful experience if you're gonna do it. And you might think twice about it and realize, oh, you know what, it took me a long time to make all this money. Maybe I only need to drive an $18,000 car. Or if you wanna spend the full 50, respect, then do it. But don't finance it. Don't pay $66,000 for a $40,000 car. I think that's insanity. So that's where this is all birthed from and coming from. And as I got the messages yesterday, this article, you know, by fate popped up into my feed and I read through it this morning and I'm like, I'm going to share parts of it with people because I think a lot of people out there sometimes are making poor financial decisions that are causing them stress and causing them to really not be happy and be able to live a life that they want to, to be inspired, to be motivated. And sometimes you, even if you don't understand you're paying the price, you know, you don't really get what it is today, 10, 15, 25 years from now, you will. If you, you know, have a shortfall in your retirement, if you're not able to pay off debt, if you keep finding yourself not being able to do certain things because your debts are weighing you down. And I believe a car is one of the dumbest ones. Again, it's a, it's a vehicle. And again, I like all the same nice shit you guys do. I, you know, I love a nice truck. I love the nice cars and the SUVs. I, I dig all the same things you do. But if you can't really afford it yet and you have other goals and aspirations in life, understand it's just a vehicle. It's a box with wheels. It's to get you from point A to point B. If someone gave me a minivan today and said, Jeremy, you can drive it for free, I would drive the shit out of that thing because it costs me no money. It still gets me here. I'm not trying to look fancy for people. If people want to judge me and laugh and say, 
it's all good. I can take it. I can sleep at night. Ride me out here. That's why if you guys, obviously, if you meet me, at some point, I'm going to have to get a new vehicle. Uh, I drove a 2008 Honda Accord. It's got 137 miles on it. And would I like to drive a brand new truck? For sure. Now, I'm too cheap to ever buy something brand new. I'll always buy something used because I'm going to let the first guy eat the first, you know, 15, 20K, and I'm okay with that. But every day I get it and drive it, I think, like, I'm just that much richer. I'm just saving that much more money. That car has changed the scope of my financial life. And that's for a different podcast altogether, which I'll share and it'll blow you guys away. But as people walk into auto dealerships, a lot of times they're walking out with these seven-year car loans. That means their monthly payments are going to last well past their brake pads giving out. And potentially beyond when they actually trade that car in for a new one, which we'll touch on in a second. About a third of auto loans for new vehicles taken in the first half of 2019 had loan terms longer than six years. So sometimes people are making car payments for six years on something that is going down in value. That's how people are ending up upside down in their cars, meaning they owe way more than their car is worth. So if they do actually you know, snap out of it and want to get rid of the car, they're going to have to pay to give the car away. That is insanity to me. Car loans that are increasingly stretched out are a major sign that Americans in the middle class can't really afford to, you know, live the middle class lifestyle, which again, we've touched on this before slightly. I think we're getting confused. We all think we have to have all the nicest, newest, fanciest stuff. And now I lived through 2007, 2008, 2009 when the world is melting. I've sat across from people here, you guys who've told me they lost 400, $600,000, $800,000 in a year. And they were able to claw back from it. But to hear those stories is heartbreaking and it's it's gut-wrenching. And I think we think because, oh, well, we work a job, we deserve all this stuff. We, you don't. If you can't afford it yet, you don't deserve it yet. That's how I grew up and that's my mentality. And it has served me very well. I don't have a lot of the stresses other people have because I'm not willing to chew on that much debt. And I'm not willing to leverage myself to the tilt. And when you look around the people in your community... When you look at the statistics, 75% of people are living about check to check. Over half of America can't cover like a $1,000 emergency. That would freak me the fuck out. That would scare me if something went wrong at my home and I couldn't pay a 1000 bucks to get it fixed because I was living so stretched beyond my means. If you can't afford to have a $1,000 phone, you don't need to have one. You don't have to have nine different subscription plans. You don't have to have NFL ticket. You don't have to have a 3,000 square foot house if you don't have the money for it yet. Ride with me here. Income hasn't risen as fast as, let's say, car prices have you know rapidly grown. And I understand that. But that doesn't mean like, oh, well, I should just finance it. Then no, it means just maybe drive something a little bit more economical, a little bit older, a little bit used. It's okay. People are going to judge you either way. And who really cares? Of all the people who come in here, and again, when you come to our place, most of the time, I probably have the worst car in the parking lot. It'll be next to, you know, every Mercedes and BMW and the Bentleys and the Ranges and the G-Wagons and all the stuff. I don't care what you drive when you come here. I care what kind of person you are. I don't think you're successful or unsuccessful when you have a fancy car or a beater car. In fact, how my brain works at this point is like, well, he's driving a car. I know they can afford way more than that, but 
very fiscally responsible. I bet they have other goals outside of that. And if they drive a G-Wagon and they paid for it, I'm like, awesome. They like really fancy, fun toys. But it does. I don't think one person is more successful than the other based on the car they drive. And again, unless you love the engineering and you know the history of the vehicle, why do you give a shit what kind of emblem it is on the outside? If it's a Honda or a Mercedes, do they both get you point A to point B? And if you can't really afford one, but you can afford the other one, and one of them makes you look fancier, but it's also causing you way more stress, and you can't save for retirement, and you can't pay off your bills, and you can't get out of debt, and you can't take certain trips, and you can't do certain things because of it, is it really worth driving? Again, understanding a lot of the new technology and safety features, um, such as like the, you know, these new multimedia displays, and it's got all the bells and whistles, it's making the most basic cars even more expensive. And a lot of people in the US specifically have veered towards the pricier cars, you know, all the SUVs, because they tend to dominate the showrooms. And that's what we think we need, we have to have more space and bigger is always better. And the result is that consumers are seeking bigger loans to purchase cars, in fact, taking out bigger loans than we've ever taken just to buy a vehicle. And the lending machines, have revved up in response, making it possible for Americans to procure a vehicle that they probably can't really afford and spreading the debt over longer, longer periods of time. Ask your parents, hey, mom, dad, did you guys ever take out auto loans for six or seven years? That shit didn't exist years ago. It doesn't have to exist today, but just because it's there doesn't mean you need to do it. Just because you can do box jumps doesn't mean you should probably do box jumps. Like Just because they're going to give you a seven-year loan for a car doesn't mean you need to take the seven-year loan for the car. Just because like they tell you you can afford this much of a payment for a mortgage or for a house doesn't mean you have to max it out. You decide what you can sleep with that night. You decide when you want to retire, how much money you need to save, what other things you need to do. Not a lender. They're always going to tell you you can take the max. That's what they do. So dealers now are making more money on the loans their customers take than the cars they sell. You need to hear me when I say that. I'm going to say it one more time crystal clear. Dealers now make more money on the loans and the financing you take than selling you the actual car itself. For many Americans, the availability of loans with longer terms has created the illusion that it's affordable, but it's not. I'll say that one more time too because it's powerful. So many people have loans available to them with longer terms. It's created the illusion that the car is actually affordable, but it isn't because you haven't done the math on what it's really costing you, not just on the front end, but the back end, and not just the car itself, what that extra money could have done for you in terms of paying down your student loans or your mortgage payment or investing you for the long term in your 401k or your SEP or mutual funds or whatever you're choosing to invest in. Now, because of that, it has helped, you know, fuel car purchases that would have been out of reach, you know, with three or five or even six-year loan. So if someone can't afford it on a three-year loan, they can afford it on a five-year loan. If they can't afford it on a five-year loan, they can afford it on a seven-year loan. People get into much more expensive cars because of this. And because of that, households are taking on average way more risk and they're leveraging their life further than they ever have done before, which to me means they're taking on way more stress. Now, when they tell you you can afford a payment, if everything goes right, that's awesome. But what happens when you know you have a medical emergency? 
What happens when you need a new roof? What happens when your hot water heater blows up? And now you're feeling the crunch and the pressure. You're starting to have an argument at home with your your husband or wife or you know you can't you know, afford to you know save money for retirement because you had this go on. It just causes a myriad of problems. And just 18% of US households have enough liquid assets to cover the cost of a new car. And this is according to the Wall Street Journal, taken from a data analysis like in 2016. So even a conservative car loan often won't do it for most people because they just want fancier and fancier stuff. The median income of U.S. households with four-year loans, 20% down, under 10% of the gross income budget, these people could afford a car worth about 19k. Yet people want things even bigger than that. Now again, I believe you can get a decent car for 19,000 bucks. Some people will disagree with me of what decent is, but that's just my two cents. The size of the average auto loan has grown by about a third over the past decade to about $32,000 for a new car. And that's what people are taking for an auto loan. To keep payments manageable, the industry has added months to the end of the car loan. So what they've done is if you couldn't afford it on three years, they understand if we stretch the loan term out, here's the example. The average loan now stretches out to roughly 69 months which is a record. And some last even longer than that. Can you imagine making a car payment for 69 months? That just means you can't afford that shit, in my opinion. In the first half of the year, 1.5% of auto loans on new vehicles had terms of 85 months or longer. That is fucking insanity to me. Five years ago, these eight and nine year loans were practically non-existent, meaning like Nobody got them, i.e. talk to your mom and dad, talk to your grandma and grandpa, see what they used to do. And a growing share of the buyers, the people who are purchasing vehicles today that really can't afford them and they're financing them, won't be able to pay the debt off before trading them in and getting a new car. As a result, the growing share of car buyers won't pay off the debt. And this is this is the crazy part to me. Because the car is in need of repairs before they, you know, they want a new model and yet they can't even afford the current one they're in. So imagine paying for a car that just starts to break down and things are going wrong, like real stuff seven years in, but you're still making the car payment. I can't imagine a world where you eat that stress. I don't like it now when I have to go in and get like new tires for, you know, four or 500 bucks, whatever it may be. I couldn't imagine having to do that plus having a $500 a month payment on top of it. Here's the scary part. Americans have been borrowing to buy cars obviously for decades, but the auto debt has now swelled since the financial crisis, meaning consumers, we hold a record now of $1.3 trillion of debt tied to cars for car loans, people, for depreciating assets that do nothing for you but get you from point A to point B. And again, a lot of people can hustle, they can scrap, they can save, and they can buy an $8,000 car. And that will do a lot for you. That will get you a lot of places. I don't know what my car is worth today. Probably like six grand. It rides here just fine. Do I look as fancy as everybody else? No, but I live in Scottsdale. I'm not going to look fancy anyway unless I have a Ferrari, unless I have a Bentley. So it's all the same to me either way. I don't see why you wouldn't go the six, $7,000 route when you can afford it and live stress-free but you had to be fancy before you could really pay for it and drive something that cost you 32000 bucks. I just don't get it. 
the auto industry, again, is out to make money. They're not out to help you. So far this year, dealerships, now hear me out when I say this, so far this year, dealerships made an average of 982 bucks per new vehicle on finance versus the normal, per, okay, I'll put this way. Right now, dealerships are making about 982 bucks per new vehicle that are financed and insured versus 381 bucks on the actual sale. So meaning a car dealership no longer wants to cut you a deal. And if you go in and pay cash, there's no benefit to them. In fact, they don't want you to do it. They actually want you to finance. That is how they make money. They really want to squeeze you and take out the longest term you can. So you go through their finance department, they get bigger checks and bigger reps. That's how they're coaching them these days. And when you want to see these shifts up close, like go to a dealership and sit in their finance office. Since most of the, borrower, the borrowers now you know, pay with their cars uh, through financing, it falls on the finance manager to figure out you know, a manageable payment schedule for you. So you might have went in and thought, you know, hey, I could afford 300 bucks, but they show you how they're going to stretch it out now and you're going to end up, oh, it's, we can get your payment down to 252 but you're paying for it for the next 69 months. That is insane to me. Again, these financial people and institutes, they want to loan you stuff. They're, they're quick to give you money. Banks and lenders are not your friends. They don't care about you. They only want your money. I know you might feel a certain way, like they're your friend, they're friendly. They're getting paid to do that job. They are salespeople. It is not relationship-based. They don't give a fuck about you. It is about the transaction. They know if they get you into the more expensive car and they sell you the upgrades and the packages and the warranties and they extend that loan life as long as possible, they are going to get more dollars in their pockets. They're going to hit their sales quotas. They're going to hit their goals. They're going to get a bonus. They're going to have more money for their family and their friends. You're going to have less. You're going to have less money to travel. You're going to have less money to invest. You're going to have less money to save and do anything else because you're paying exponentially that much more for your car because you have it on a loan. And if you look at your amortization sheet and see what that $25,000 car is really costing you, you'll probably want to throw up and puke because you're paying more for it as you go and you end up being upside down in it about probably a year or two in. Honestly, probably even a year in because they lose so much value instantly. Again, I've touched on this before. Even the 0% down stuff is not a savings and it's not a deal because they're just building that number into the purchase price of the car. Nothing is free. There is no such thing as a free lunch, especially at a car dealership when you guys go to get a loan. Just understand this when you're listening to me here. The only person who cares about you and your car and your money is you. The only person who cares about your well-being and your car and your money is you. The rest of it it's just business, man. And their goal is to extract as much value from you as humanly possible to get you hyped, to get you excited, to get you on the lot, to get you in the car so you can smell it, you can see it, you can drive it. They'll say all the right things to you so you can feel fancy for two seconds. And again, if you can afford it, respect, pay cash, do it, jump out, whether you want to buy it new or used, it's your life, it's your money. If you can afford it, I hope you really enjoy it. More power to you. But if you can't, I urge you guys not to do that because I see people here stressed out about things. And typically, you know, when you look at marriages specifically, what people tend to fight about finances is one of the biggest ones. I think when you look at divorce rates and you pull the statistics, I think the number one thing uh, people fight about in marriages that lead to divorce is finances. 
And I understand, you know, wages have not increased as much as let's say cars have or homes have or uh, specifically student loans have and schooling itself is ridiculously overpriced. And I believe vehicles are overpriced. I don't think you should have to pay, you know, what they're asking for. But the problem is, it's not going to change unless we change as a people, as a culture, because the demand is there. And I tell my wife this all the time, and it's harder when you do it the right way. I give you guys that. When you're trying to do it the right way, it almost seems like it's fucking impossible. But it's not. It can be done. I'm living proof of it. Um, is it easy? No, it's hard as shit. The way that I describe it is this. It's like trying to build up an amazing body, not using steroids. It's way harder without the drugs. It just is. It's like playing professional sports. It's You're playing a game. If you're playing you know, Major League Baseball and you're not taking steroids, you have to lift and train and eat and to get to this level. Now, if you take the steroids, you still have to lift and eat and train, but you're enhanced. It makes it easier. It makes it, it's a shortcut, if you will. It's an added benefit. It's a performance enhancer, right? So there's the difference. When you're on steroids, it's performance enhancing. It makes you bigger, stronger, faster. You still got to work your ass off, but it, it gives you an extra boost to be ahead of the guy who's doing it without the enhancements. Follow me here? When you're doing it on your own, and you're doing it paying cash and you're not financing, it's going to take you longer. It's going to take more time, effort, energy, and sacrifice. And you're going to be almost irritated when you watch other people do it way quicker, way faster because they're financing doing it. They're taking steroids. You're not taking steroids. You can still get there. You can still play in the majors. It's just going to take you more time, effort, and energy. But you did it the right way and it's a way that's sustainable. And you're not going to have to give up other things in order to get there. And that's what I say to my wife. I'm like, it's hard what we're trying to do. Like we're trying to pay off our house. And, you know, if we get it done here in the next like seven or eight payments, it'll be, we'll share the story and people be like, holy shit. And it, we're not, I'm not doing it to brag to make us sound fancy or amazing. I'm doing it to share that if it's something that you wanted to do and get yourself out of debt, you can do it too. If you're willing to put your head down and delay gratification for things, you can make it happen. And if we want to move to the next house, if that's what we choose to do, if we choose to stay there for the rest of our lives, who knows? I don't know the future. We're going to cash full the difference because I'm not going to take out a loan to do that. And I'm not judging anybody who does, but I've killed myself to pay this debt down. I'm not going to sign up for another one. And does that make it hard to move you know, up in house? Fuck yeah, it does because everybody else is financing up their ass to do it. So I'm playing a game, not on steroids. They're on steroids. Like They're going to get their way faster than me and be able to attain it because they're paying more than what it's worth and I'm not willing to pay more than what it's worth. That's why I say it's not going to change unless we change it. I don't have an answer here and this is not what the point of this podcast is, but it's harder when you have to do it and you pay cash for it and you don't finance it because other people are going to walk in and they're going to finance. So the prices are always going to be higher because people are willing to take out auto loans for it and those of us who aren't willing to find it frustrating because we know in our hearts of hearts, if so-and-so had to save $40,000 cash to buy the vehicle, they wouldn't fucking do it because it's too hard. It takes too long. It's too painful to hand away that much money up front, yet they'd rather be bled over time. Now, how I look at it is this. If I'm going to go buy a car, which we bought my wife's car in cash years back, I walked in there uh, with a check and paper money. I did both because I like to physically hand them the money because I want that pain to be seared in my brain because I worked for that. I woke up at 350 for hundreds of days to do that. 
and I want to feel it when I hand it away. And there's a connection there. And so I remember what that felt like. And if I had just went there and financed it and paid, you know, you know, $10,000 more than what it's worth, it's not as painful. I'd rather get punched in the face right off the bat and feel the hurt of that than be bled out over time. Does that make sense what I'm saying, you guys? If you're going to buy a car for, let's say, 20000 bucks, and you go pay $20,000 that day, that's a nice swift kick in the nuts. Just boom, right in the nuts, you're out. Now, if you go finance that same $20,000 car, you might end up paying $27,000 for it over the course of three to five years, but they didn't kick you in the nuts that day. They just slapped you in the face a little bit, and they slapped you in the face next month, and the next month, and the next month, and the next month, slowly over time. And it, and it stung a little bit, but it didn't hurt as bad as that first kick in the nuts right up front, but yet you remember that. And again, the price you paid day one was way less than you paid to get slapped in the face for the next five years. That's the way that I look at it and feel about it. I would rather take it up front and actually pay for what the market says it's worth, not pay more than what it's worth to get to something too fancy, too quick, too soon when I really couldn't afford it. That's the way that my brain works. That's the way that I spend money and that's the way I do things. And again, maybe it's because I grew up broke and it got seared into my brain, Jeremy. You don't go into debt. You don't buy things you can't afford. And if you want something, you work your ass off and you save for it and that's how you get it. It seems overly simplistic to me. But yet, I realize as I get older and the more people I meet and talk to, they don't share the same beliefs that I do. And you look at their spending habits. You look at the financial situation they're in. You look at the average retirement account um, of someone who's 60 years old today in America. It's pretty depressing and it's pretty daunting. And a lot of those things can be fixed. And obviously, you know, the income you make does play into all of this. But I know a lot of people who don't make more than 40, 50 grand a year, who were just smart with their money and they did things responsibly over time and they ended up okay. I know a lot of people who make multiple six figures who are stressed and who really, you know, if they didn't get a couple of checks from their job, really wouldn't have a lot to show for it or they'd have to sell and liquidate a lot of their things. And so you don't have to live a stressed out life just for a car and for a house or for fancy things. My advice would be live as cheap as you can, as long as you can. Don't get fancy until you can really afford to be fancy. And always pay yourself first. And that doesn't mean buy a house. That doesn't mean buy bags and buy fancy shoes and and buy cars you can't afford. Always pay yourself first. Meaning you pay your bills. You pay them responsibly. You pay down your debts as quick as you can. You save for your future. That's what paying yourself first is. And you invest in yourself. And you invest the things that can make you the healthiest, happiest, most badass version possible. And that is not a car. And once you get to the point of where you're a millionaire and you no longer have, you know, big ass mortgage payments and student loan payments and all these things, then would be my advice to get fancy with the vehicle. But again, you guys are all adults. You make the choices that you choose to make. I just know a lot of times the things you own end up owning you whether you realize it or not. You can be car poor, you can be house poor, you can be bag poor and shoe poor and and clothes poor and and any other kind of poor you understand, regardless of the income level you make. It really doesn't matter because the end of it, you know, a lot of times the things we own, they end up owning us. And we think that they're going to bring us a sense of freedom and accomplishment and happiness. But if you can't really afford it and you have the finance to get there, you're playing a game on borrowed money, man. 
you're not really doing it. You're faking it. You're using steroids to get there. That would be my takeaway. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. I know a lot of you only want to listen to me talk about fat loss and uh, how I work out and train, but you have to understand sometimes that stuff gets boring real quick because I talk about it all day, every day. And I do think this plays into that. I don't I don't want you to be working a job you fucking hate to buy a bunch of shit you don't really need to impress a bunch of people uh, you don't really like that don't really care about you anyway. I think it's foolish and it's stupid. That's what children do. Children do things that feel good initially up front and they deal with the consequences of that later. And usually you pay way way, way more on the back end than you do on the front end. Adults think about things logically and responsibly and they plan for it and then they make a decision based off of their gut feeling and based off of you know what the numbers show them and what's responsible and what's going to bring them the most happiness and in return leave them with the least amount of stress possible. At least that's what I find myself doing and all the happiest people doing. Now again, if you're a multimillionaire, If you have more money than you know what to do with, this does not apply to you. If you've paid your dues, if you've driven an 08 Accord when it's almost 2020 and it's got 138,000 miles on it, you want to buy something new, respect, go do it. But don't do it before you pay off your other debts and don't finance a car. If you guys want to be successful in life, when you look at the data points of people who are millionaires and people who are financially independent and successful, they tend not to invest their money in depreciating assets. They make their money work for them. And one of the stupidest things you can do with your money is invest it into things that go down in value, especially when you're not able to afford it just yet. Your car shouldn't be worth more than the money you have in your retirement accounts. It just shouldn't. Your car shouldn't be worth way more than the amount of cash you have in the bank or in a money market fund. Just my takeaway in two cents. Your car shouldn't be worth, you know... Uh, you know, half your net worth or or, or 25% of your net worth. It just should be a vehicle that gets you from point A to point B. And typically that's to go to work or to take your kids to school or to travel places with your family. It's not a status symbol. It doesn't show how successful you are. It doesn't show how important you are. It doesn't show anything other than it's the car you drive to get you places. It is a transportation vehicle and nothing else. And if you're a car person, save your money. And buy the things that really make you happy and that you want. But just make sure you can afford it. And don't do it at the expense of happiness, of stress, of arguments with loved ones. And don't do it to look fancy to the outside world because it is not worth it. And at the end of the day, nobody gives a shit. I will not be remembered on this earth for the kind of car I drove. I'll be remembered for, hopefully, (laughs) positive things uh, on top of that. But it's not going to be the car I drove. I, I don't... When I think of the people that in my life that I've lost who are gone and no longer here, when I think of them, it's not the vehicle they drove. It doesn't matter. When I think about the people who walk into here, our clients, um, and the first thing you ask me about them, word association, it's not their vehicle. It would be probably number 800 on the depth chart of things I think about when I think about them. So, Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Just my you know rant in two cents from a broke guy who was once dead broke, and again, I could have bought in a car that cost $100,000 years ago. I chose not to. And I share this from a point of caring, not of a point of judgment, because it has changed the scope of my financial life and how much 
happiness and freedom that I have because I was willing to delay gratification of a vehicle for a later date. It has literally changed my life, and I believe if you do the same, it can do it for you too. So anything else you guys want to hear on the podcast, send me a request, shoot me a DM, and I thank you guys for the messages. I'm happy to clarify and share my take on this. Hopefully, it enlightens some of you who have made poor financial decisions and choices, and in the future, it prompts you to make a better one. And literally just, you know, live a meaningful life and do it when you can afford it. Because again, it's fun to have nice shit. I get it. But just know a car is just a fun toy. It's a fancy toy and it's something that you do. It is not an investment. It is the opposite of that. It's something to play with and something to get you around. Nothing more. So if you're in iTunes right now, stop. Don't be a lazy ass. Drop me a five star. Please leave a comment. Love what you guys share on there. I truly do appreciate reading it. And again, if you need something from me, email me. I'm happy to get it on the podcast. We'll do a Q&A series probably later this week. And again, just a reminder, our 50 Days of Fitness Challenge is kicking off November the 11th. We'll send out the email tomorrow to start registering. The link is in my Instagram bio as well. But if you guys are interested and you want to rock with me the last 50 days of the year, there is a discount code for all podcast listeners. Just hit me up on email, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, wherever you're at, and we'll get you guys the podcast discount code. We'll get you in there. It will rock and roll the last 50 days of 2019. So have an amazing rest of your Sunday, you guys. I think I need to eat a pizza or something. We'll see. So anyways, uh, until next time, eat well, train hard, be nice to people, and please keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to. I'll talk to you soon. Peace.